0: Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Judges chapter 16, verse 15 through 31. It's a little bit of a lengthy read. I'm reading out of the New King, King James Version, um, and it says this, then she, who's she? Delilah, everybody say Delilah. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. Everybody say Strength. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart and said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven or if I shave my hair, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man when Delilah saw that he, Samson, had told all his heart to her. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up at once, for he, ha- for he has told me all of his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought her the money in her in their hand. And she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, "'The Philistines are upon you, Samson.' And he awoke from his sleep and said, "'I will go out as before at other times "'and shake myself free.' But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and plucked out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair on his head began to grow.' Somebody say, thank God for a second chance. And again, as it had never been shaven, now the lords of the Philistines gathered together, bear with me, guys, gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, to rejoice. And they said, our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, our God has delivered into our hands the enemy, the destroyer of our land. And then the one who multipl- excuse me, the one who multiplied are dead. In other words, he killed a lot of their, a lot of their people. And so it happened when their hearts were merry, that they said, "Call for Samson. They're calling Samson into the courts one last time to humiliate Samson and to have Samson entertain them. So call for Samson that he may perform for us." So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. And they stationed him between two pillars, like you've seen on the screen. And then Samson said to the lad. Who led him by the hand? Let me fill the pillars which support the temple so that I may lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women, on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called the Lord, saying, Oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Somebody say, "Remember Remember America. Remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once. Everybody say one more time. One more time, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. And then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead he killed, At his death were more than he had killed in his life. In other words, he fulfilled God's purpose. And his brothers and his fathers and his household came down and took him down and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Esh, uh, forgive me on this one, Eshtohol, Eshol, is that right? In the tomb in his fathers of Manoah and he had judged Israel 20 years. I love the story of Samson. He's the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the Old Testament. Plus, my dad almost named me Samson. Is that right, Mom? I love this story. It hits deeply home to me, especially during these times that we're living in. I sat in my study this past week, and I felt the presence of the Lord literally fill the office. As I ran across some simple words that I had written down called one more time. And I thought how both this can apply to our personal lives. We can, it can also be applicable to where we are at as a nation. I feel not only our enemies, but our adversaries or some of our allies are gathered around us, around a nation that used to be so strong, so vibrant, so full of faith, a nation that everybody would come to for answers at one time was one of the greatest nations, and still in some ways, still is one of the greatest nations to live in on planet Earth. Have you been overseas lately? And I was thinking how Samson is liking to the United States as we know it right now. Called by God, chosen by God to be a forerunner, chose to be a godly people who contributes to the needs. Think about the humanitarian work. Who has always stepped into other nations when there were problems? The United States of America. So one at one point in history, America is called. America was doing great things, and now here we are stuck in this rut. Now Samson's strength was in his hair. Everybody say his hair. And his beautiful seven locks. The United States' strength was in her Christian biblical values that are now being challenged. And so it seems to me as though we are shaved as Americans right now, and it seems and appears as though our strength has left us. But can I tell you, as I sat in my room, in my office, I felt the Lord saying, I still have chosen America. I still have plans for the United States of America. As a matter of fact, I truly feel and believe not just because when I read the word of God, not just because of my emotional feelings, but I I, I know something in my knower. I, I feel that we are on the brink of complete breakthrough and worldwide revival, but it does not exempt evil being present from it. When you see God move in times past, I'll just give a little recap of last week. We preached on both the wheat and the tares. Everybody say the wheat and the tares. The wheat and the tares, tares, meaning both Christians and evil being present at one time. And when the disciples came to the farmer, he said, let us pluck up the tares. But God said, no, don't pluck them up. Least at the expense of plucking up the evil, you will also pluck up the righteous. But God is allowing in the times and days that we're living in for both good and evil to be present when this worldwide revival hits America. And I truly believe that we're on the brink of it. But can I tell you, revival will first start in our homes, not in the church. Come on, say it. It starts in our own hearts, in our own personal lives, personal holiness, that's where it starts. Now I'm preaching good. One of the first points before I see God doing this one more time is that we as Americans, not just as Americans, but as husbands, as fathers, as children, have to get back on track and follow the moral compass that this country was founded upon and the American family was founded on. I wish I had a bigger amen than that. We have to get back. If we're going to move forward, we have to go backwards. You know, when, when, when I feel like I've missed something with God, and if you say you haven't missed something with God, I'll just leave it at that. We have all missed something with God. And any time I feel like I've felt like the Holy Spirit has been grieved or has left me or my strength has left me, I go and begin to backtrack where I lost my compass. I begin to go back where I remember God being. I go back to the last place. And can I tell you, God is always back in the secret place in the closet. Can I tell you that? He's always in the place of holy, righteous living. I know this is, this is the kind of preaching that's got webs on it, but this morning I'm going to dust it all off because we as a nation have to dust off that moral compass that we used to. I still believe in husband and wife. I still believe in the American family. I still believe in not having sex before marriage. Come on, somebody say amen. You can put your fingers in your kids' ears if you have to. But we have to get back to our biblical roots, holy living, if we're going to see a worldwide revival. We can't. We have to get past this. Just we can't say that. We can't just sing this stuff. We have to live this stuff. We have to be this stuff. So I believe what will precede a worldwide awakening. Come on, somebody say awakening. It's going to precede us finding again our moral compass that this nation was founded upon. and and How does that apply to the scripture that I just read? When Samson was born, or excuse me, before he was born, Samson's parents were giving directions from God. Now it's going to get quiet up in this Presbyterian church. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, it'll be all right. God gave instructions to his parents and said, do not let, put no drink to his lips. Do not touch anything unclean or dead people. Because back then, if you touch a dead person seven, year, seven days, you were labeled unclean according to tradition. You couldn't go in the synagogue for seven days. If a woman were in uh, experience her menstrual cycle, they would have to stay away seven days after the menstrual cycle because blood marks you as unclean. So if he were to touch a dead person. So anyway, he gets these instructions. And then he says this, this third one. He says, do not cut your hair. And there are others, but for the sake of time, I won't get into them. In other words, he gave him a moral guideline to abide by. And if he would have abided by those moral guidelines, his strength would have never left him. And some of us, when we're feeling in weak moments, it's not because God left you. It's because we've stepped outside of the moral compass that God has established in the beginning of time. So can I tell you the only reason why we're seeing the nation and the condition that it's in is because we have stepped outside of the moral compass, the God-given compass that God has established for the American family and for the world as we know it. Look at somebody and say, get back on track. And we can look at either the moral compass in two ways. There is that one party that sees uh, boundaries or moral guidelines as limitations. But I can tell you when I had my first child, Cohen, who's eight, I didn't see fences as limiting me. I seen it as a protection. And the reason God sets up parameters is not so that you don't go out and have fun. As a matter of fact, I was out on the lake with some of my most amazing friends and there wasn't one drink present. There wasn't one negative thing present. Kids were able to be there and we had a blast. Do you know that you can still be holy and have fun? And so there is a way that God gave these guidelines not so that we wouldn't have fun, but to protect us from being robbed of our fun. Come on, how many know it's fun being holy? It's, it's fun being righteous. It's fun. You know what's fun? It's fun what it produces. It's fun because it produces strength. It produces God's grace in your life. It produces God's blessing in your life. So we have to get back to our moral compass, that, that, that same compass that Samson lost. And can I tell you, Samson's strengths were diminished and destroyed, not because God didn't love him, but because he didn't stay within the moral guideline. It's not don't do this and don't do that, don't smoke, don't chew, don't run with those who do kind of, so to speak. It's, it's not that. It all goes back to obedience to the scriptures. Because when you live in obedience to the scriptures, you reap the scriptures promises. Did you know that God can love you and you still not walk in God's promises? God's, God will always love you. Look at somebody and smile at them and say, God loves you. Look at somebody else and say, God loves you. God's love will never fail. It's never ending. There is no ifs attached to God's love. He loves unconditionally. He's not like husband and wife. It's not conditional. If you do the dishes or if you rub my feet or if you cook dinner, it's it's not that at all. God always loves. His love is not, doesn't come with an if attached to it. But can I tell you what does? His promise, his promises have an if attached to them if you will turn, right? And so when we live according to the word of God, our strength will then in turn return to us so that we can walk out all of God's promises that he's promised us. I was thinking about this phrase uh, a day or two ago, one nation under God. Listen, I, I almost was about to apologize for preaching because I normally don't incorporate politics, but can I tell you, in the times and days that we're living in, I, I cannot get up here and tell you the three keys to receive your next blessing. But because can, can I, I just felt the fear of the Lord on that. I can't, I'm tired of hearing, and, and I love that. And there was a time, there's a season for that. Here's your 10 ways to receive your miracle. And I do believe that, but can I tell you there is one way, living a lifestyle of obedience, living a lifestyle of holiness, positions you in a place where you're in the right proximity for God to bless you. So this is why I'm preaching on this. Amen? So so I thought about this phrase, one nation under God, which is a biblical morale that this country was founded upon. Come on, somebody say amen to that. And to remove that belief or saying will sap America of its strength because our biblical root system is our hair, like Samson. And if we shave that out of our schools, out of our belief systems, come on, y'all ain't saying nothing in the... If we shave that out of our lifestyle and our belief system, the strength is leaving. And that's what you're seeing in America right now. Do you think this all just began to happen? This this has been happening in the root system a, a really long time. It's just now beginning to be exposed through, this has been prophecy after prophecy, even when Kim Clement was alive, there were things that were let out and things that are coming to pass that are just symptoms of what's already been happening in America. And so if we decide as a people to remove God from the equation, we will lose our strength. I want to push that a little bit. And if the Lord is going to give us our strength back one more time, come on, somebody say one more time, Lord, as a people, as a nation, as husbands, as wives, as children, then the word of God must again become our moral compass and a part of our everyday lifestyle and decisions. And let's stop saying God needs to do something with the government. Can I tell you who put them in in power? You did. We did. Our voting did. So the morality morality didn't begin to diminish from the top down. It began to decline first in the home. When we decide to remove Jesus from the equation, teaching our children, listen, I heard it said the other day, what one generation ignores, the other one will worship. What does that mean? If we don't make morality at the center of our, of our lifestyles and the teaching of our home, the next generation, if you don't produce that in your home and show your children a certain, if we're not godly examples, our, our children will have no barometer of what holy living looks like. And so, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think the next voting, you know, think about 25 years from now. I think about my child. Who is he going to vote for? What principles is he learning right now that would give him some kind of biblical barometer or morale to vote the right person in? So what it all boils down to is not, hey, government needs to change. Yes, it does. But first, can I tell you, it needs to start in our home. How about we start just at least once a day taking one minute to pray with our family? Oh, you don't have time? You know what i looked at the other day i seen in one day even though it comprised of some of my study and so and a lot of it consisted of a lot of work time there was over six hours i was on my device in one day so we don't have one or two minutes to pray we're too busy i wonder if we're too busy because of facebook I wonder if we're too busy because of Instagram. I I wonder if we're just too busy because our schedule is too full and we don't have time for the Lord. And so while we're all wringing our hands and complaining about America and you're saying, God, why don't we do something? I'm saying, God, why don't you do something? Here's what God is saying. Well, why don't you do something? How about we pray as a family? How about we sit down and just read a scripture or two? How about you put your kids to bed? Come on, am I preaching to the right people this morning? How many want to see their nation change? If we want to see our nation change, then we first must change. It's so important as believers. You can quote me on this one. It's the DSV version. It's so important, Donnie Smith version. It's so important as believers that we not only profess, but we practice. I don't know about you, but I want to live what I sing about. When when I sing and when I worship the Lord, I want that to be a reality in my heart. And when I'm singing, when it's not true, and there are times when it's not so true, there are times when I know I should have spent more time with God, that I should have read the word just a little bit more. There are times when I know I spent more time on Facebook than I did with God. Come on, just look straight. There are times, and you know that. I heard it said the other day, this is beautiful. I heard it said that when you lack time with God that first day, you know that. The second day, this was so funny. Everybody else knows it. <laughs> it begins to leak out in your personality. So you know what? Donnie Smith knows my, I know myself enough to know I gotta wake up in prayer and intercession because it depends upon the peace of my family. No, it was like this. The first day, you know it. The second day, your spouse knows it. The third day, everybody else knows it. Sin and disobedience will sap your strength. Holiness and purity builds it and Samson lost this. He stepped outside of his biblical morale. He stepped outside of the bounds that God set up for him, and then he in turn lost his strength. Let us not be that generation. Let us be a people who are holy, who can wear skinny jeans and still live holy, who can still live pure, who can say, I didn't you know, do such and such before marriage. Come on, somebody say amen to that. It still exists. It's still possible. It's still possible. And if you haven't, repent. And go before the Lord. You know, you know what me and my wife did before we got married? Not that. We got down on our knees and anything that was in our past, and no, we didn't before marriage. Thank God by his grace. We did Thank you, Jesus, by his grace. Hallelujah. We got down on our knees on our wedding night and prayed together. And we said, Lord, wash us from any stain of the past. Let this super glue hold so much because that's what the past does is it affects the adhesive of the now. And it is possible. Say it's possible. It's possible possible to live holy and righteous. And we have seen God's blessing. We've seen very difficult times as well. Your obedience will produce difficult times as well, but it ultimately will produce the blessing of the Lord. Number two, if God is going to do it one more time, somebody say one more time, then we have to regain our vision. Now, how does this apply to Samson? Did you see what Samson went through? I don't know if you noticed it, but there was a band over his eyes, and you didn't see it, but there was blood kind of running down. The first thing that they did to Samson was destroy his eyesight. They plucked it out. Can I tell you that America has indeed lost her eyesight? We've lost our ability to see. And when you lose your ability to see in the future, you begin to live for the now instead of what's ahead. And so what we're doing is we're reaping of the decisions because we were making decisions now. Have you heard the teaching that's happening in our public schools right now? Oh, if, oh Jesus, help me. Help me. All the, most public schools, the stuff that our children are being fed. Do you know why that's crept into the school? Because we've lost our vision. And can I just tell you this? As a parent, I understand this. I understand this. And I know I'm being hard this morning. I'm being hard. When I preach, I preach to myself. Why are we not asking our kids what they're learning in school? Because when our vision is only on our workload and what we got going and, hey, go do your homework, and you're not, you don't have the vision because we're not thinking about their future. Future is thinking about the next generation. So I'm asking, what did you learn today? When I'm sitting at dinner with no cell phone? Come on, I'm old. I told you I'm I'm in my 80s in, in the spirit. I sit down with no phone what did you learn today what did they teach you today but when we lose our vision it will affect our now and so we're just seeing the repercussions and and the the symptoms of ignoring our you know the future we've ignored what was ahead and so it's like now we're in front of this iceberg and now we're trying to steer this thing away and it's not too late look at somebody and say it's not too late we can change it now. But we have to regain our vision. So the Bible says that Samson's eyes were plucked out when the Philistines captured him. But can I tell you this? I believe that he lost his vision far before before that. He didn't, that, that was just physical. But he had lost his vision or he would have never been captured by them. God ordained that he would be the deliverer of his nation at that time. He was a judge. That's what he was. God gave him this Arnold Schwarzenegger figure and this superhuman Hulk strength to deliver the nation. But the only reason he lost his strength is because he lost his vision. When you lose your vision, you lose your strength. Look at somebody and say, don't lose your strength. Your strength is in your vision. And you know what? Most people underline the fact that Samson's weakness, uh, of his weakness, his physical weakness, what, meaning in women. But can I tell you, he still fulfilled God's plans. It's not too late for us we can still fulfill God's plans for the United States of America. It's not too late. Say it again. It's not too late. late. And so they underline Samson's weakness of women, but he still fulfilled God's will. Now listen to this. It took Samson going blind before he got his vision back. Sometimes it takes you really falling hard to get your vision back. Sometimes it takes you going through a real season of darkness for you to come to this realization that I am lost. And then this awakens something in you, like what's happening into America. Now I'm seeing pastors actually wake up. Now I'm seeing people really get into their prayer closets and not just show up on Sunday morning. Because there has to be this moment, this aha moment that says, God, I have drifted. God, I've lived a prayerless life. This is why my home is in chaos. Come on, let me make it practical to our homes. This is why my marriage is going through what it's going through. It just, it just takes, to, when, you're, when you're going fishing, I'm a fisherman, I love fishing. If you, if you allow your compass to be just a little off, it doesn't matter for about a mile, but after 10 miles, it matters. You get way off course. And so we as people, we have to mind now what matters later. I heard an old man praying that Reinhard Bunke, Reinhard Bunke was talking about this. And he said he overman, overheard an older man praying and he was weeping. He was in his 80s. And he overheard him saying this Lord, help me mind now what matters later. Do you know your current prayer life matters now? Because it determines what's gonna happen in your family. Come on, in your finances, in your marriage, in your practical, personal life. Look at somebody and say, It matters. It matters, it matters immensely. It matters. Look at what Proverbs uh, says in Proverbs 29, 18. Watch this. It's in the NLT version. It says, when the people, when the people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Anybody see anyone running wild lately? When the people do not accept divine guidance, come on, come on, you seers in here. There's some seers in here. Where are my seers at? Come on, where are the prophets at in the house? When, it also says in the New King James Version, my favorite version, where there is no vision, the people perish. New NLT says when the people do not accept God's guidance or they can't see like him, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. Listen, everyone today wants to be heard, but nobody's concerned about hearing him. They want to be heard. They want their voices heard. But let me ask you something. What is God saying in this hour? What is God saying? In order to get what he's saying, we have to see what he sees. Say, Lord, give me eyes to see. Hallelujah. And I decree that even, even right now. I, declare, I Right in this atmosphere, even right now, Lord, I declare the ability to see like you see. God supernaturally in the Spirit. I declare uh, the vision and the calling that God has put on your life for you to walk in it, even in this season. I declare new, fresh vision uh, for your family. I declare vision for this church, Lord. Give us eyes to see in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody accept that. Vision, vision, vision. So darkness is what inspired Samson to have this great awakening. And I believe you know what this darkness is going to produce. And as a, as a minister, you may think, well, you always have to you know, see the glass half full. That's not always the case. Sometimes I don't see the glass half full. But I can tell you there's something that I see that's happening in the nation because there's so many things that were being exposed that weren't exposed six months ago. So what darkness will do, it'll, it'll give us this awakening to see where we're really at both in the spirit and as our nation. And so all the intercessions that kind of, all the intercessors, excuse me, that should give us some motivation as to what to pray for, amen? It should inspire us to stand up and get a backbone in our family again, a spiritual backbone. Thirdly, and this may sound arrogant, but it's not, and I'll explain it in just a moment. Number three, if we're gonna see God do what he did with Samson and do it again, we have to loose ourselves. Loose ourselves. I've sat with that for a moment. I mean, I said, Lord, what do you mean, loose ourselves? Watch this. When you think about it, Samson tied himself up. His decisions tied himself up. His actions tied himself up. Our decisions as a nation's as a nation, excuse me, have got us here. If our decisions got us here, our decisions can get us out of here our decision as people, as children of the Lord, amen? Now watch what this says in Isaiah. It's a little lengthy, I wanna read it. Isaiah 58, watch this. Isaiah 58, verse five. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread our sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and acceptable day of the Lord? Is it not the fast that I have chosen? Watch this. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. He's talking about fasting. Come on. Somebody should say amen to that. Amen. To let the oppressed go free. And watch this. And that you break every yoke. Who's going to break the yoke? The Lord? He says for you to break the yoke. For you to break every yoke. Why not God? While we're sitting here asking him to break the yoke, he's saying, I've given you the anointing and the ability to break the yoke yourself. So God won't do what we can do. He only does what we can't do. And so what what does he mean? Samson, God wasn't going to break the yoke for Samson. God gave Samson the power to break the yoke. And guess what that was? To loose himself. Stop making the decisions that got you here in the first place, Samson, don't live a selfish life. Don't live a prayerless life. Don't live a godless or a Jesusless life. Loose yourself so that it would break every yoke. Watch this. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring your house to the poor who are cast out? Now watch this. When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then your light then, everybody say then, Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Now that's where God comes in. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Now watch this. If who takes away the yoke? What does it say? If you take away the yoke from your mist and the pointing of the finger... And speaking wickedness. Look at somebody and say, it's you. Say, loose yourself by the grace of God. And that's exactly what Samson did. In the last part of that clip that you've seen, it was him loosing himself. I've preached for years, you know, ask the Lord to loose you. Do you know what I started finding out? When I'm feeling spiritually weak, I begin to build myself up through intercession and I begin to feel the chains loosen. I don't pray in Donnie's name though. It's not Donnie's necessarily. It's, it's my prayers, but it's in a certain name, and that name is Jesus. It's not in my name. It's not in my authority. It's in the authority that he's given me and in the, the authority that he's given you. But you have the power to loose yourself. Whatever's going on in your home, whatever's going on, I don't care if it's on your job, in your personal life, in your marriage, in the name of Jesus, loose yourself. Look at somebody and say, Loose yourself. Loose yourself, whatever bondage, whatever affliction, whatever depression, pray in the name of Jesus and loose yourself if you've gotta fast. If you've got to pray, if you've got to lock yourself in your prayer closet for five days, whatever it takes, call fire down until you are loosed of whatever it is that's binding you so you can walk in the freedom that God's called you to. And until we're free, the nation's not going to be free because we are made up of the nation, right? We are a piece of the body of Christ. There's a hand, there's a foot, there's an arm, there's a neck in here. All of us are only some of him. None of us are all of him. And so if the body of Christ is going to change, it's going to start with us a piece of the body changing and loosing ourselves. Look at somebody and say, loose yourself. And that yoke, that loose a, a yoke, let me just talk about that just for a second. What a yoke is, break the yoke. Everybody say the yoke. Does everybody know what a yoke is? It's not yolk and an egg. <laughs> a yoke would, 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 is, is that big wooden, um, it has arches on it and it would straddle the neck of oxen, two oxen, and it would keep them walking together And the reason that that term breaking the yoke came up is because if the oxen tried to either go at a different pace or if they try to separate from one another, the yoke would be broken. Some people, the reason that they are in sin and in depravity is because they're equally yoked with sin in their life. They are are equally yoked. But what God is saying is, listen, I want you to change the pace. If you're feeling like you have a yoke around your life, just change the pace. Do something different. If you're not praying, begin to pray. If you're not getting in your prayer closet, begin to get in your prayer closet because God wants to partner with you through your prayers to break every yoke in your life, and it doesn't just stay there, but so you can help break the yoke in somebody else's life. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody say, Lord, use me. So do not always expect God to deliver you when he's expecting you to pray, pray in his name and get yourself delivered. Oh, I know it sounds arrogant, but too long we have set up people and set up prayer lines and people become prayer line junkies. Come on, I'm going to talk about it instead of praying for yourself. And I'm not saying this arrogantly, but I am my most effective prayer warrior because I know how to pray for me better than anybody else knows how to pray for me because I am well acquainted with what I'm going through and you're well acquainted with what you're going through. I'm all for getting hands laid on and praying. There's, that's biblical. But I, what I'm not all for is you, shouldn't, you should get in the prayer line, but it shouldn't be every week. Come on, there should be a time that you, you come on, gird up your own loins and that spirit of intercession come up in you and you begin to pray for your family because nobody can pray for you like you can. Nobody knows the pain that you're going through like you do. And so that's what I mean by you break the yoke in your own life. Samson was his own worst enemy and many times we are our own worst enemy. You know what I think about? You know when we talk about Saul, we talk about Samson, how he was his own worst enemy. The first king in the Bible, his name was Saul. David would be, would, would follow after, follow suit after him. He didn't kill him. He, didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't killed by his own enemy. He was his own enemy. He fell on his own sword. And so all I'm trying to say this morning is sometimes we are our own, our own worst enemy. We have to stop looking to everybody else to loose us, and we have to look and see the Jesus on the inside of you that has the ability to loose you. Somebody say, I have God on the inside of me. Number four, and if you can stand to your feet. Was this okay? Good. Before things changed for Samson, before, before he ended up fulfilling God's call for his life, before he got his strength back, I'm gonna give you an old term that he did he he, that that I'm gonna use, but Samson actually did. I don't even know if that was a, a word back in the Old Testament. I'm I'm sure it is. I'm sure Tamaki will tell me later. So before revival, before this worldwide awakening, before America changes, I have to talk to you about the power of repentance. Everybody say repentance. It's an old-fashioned word that should be the... COVID-19 is supposedly the the term that's used the most right now. It's number one. Did you guys know that? More than any other word that's being used, COVID, COVID COVID-19, and mask, if you look it up. Yeah. All over the globe. But can I tell you what word needs to be used the most? It's the old-fashioned word that people cringe at, it's called repentance. This word repentance, do you know what the the, the millennial term would be? Walk away. Because what repentance means literally by definition, it means when you're going in one direction, it means to turn around and go into another direction. And so that was a demonstration of what repentance means. And nothing good will come out of being combative, of arguing, of fighting, which leads to other things. But here's the two reasons that Samson's strength returned to him. You ready? And I close. Number one, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That's why you're here right now, because in your mess, in my mess, in spite of all the mistakes, in spite of a divorce, come on, somebody say amen, in spite of bad decisions, in spite of maybe maybe some bad habits or some addictions, God's seen it merciful to still save you and bring you here on Sunday morning at church in July. Come on. That's called the gift and calling of God is without repentance. In other words, he still calls you. He still beckons you. And here's number two, the reason why his strength returned, because God called him, but also because of repentance on Samson's part. He turned in a different way. God, I'm sorry. I know I disobeyed you. I know I disobeyed you, but I'm choosing today to turn. And when you decide to turn, strength returns to you. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77 977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.